I can do things that wear it without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Coney Island, world's biggest barrel of fun. Anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Mark. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the wonderful world of theme park design, that is. You've just set sail on an outrageous journey of discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and bobbing along the river with me, as always, is theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer for Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Where do the muddy waters take us today, Mel? Well... I hope you're ready to have your eyes open to some cool stuff today, Freddie, because our guest is none other than an old friend, uh, concept designer and creative director, Christian Hope. This guy's uh, really, uh, for his age, <laughs> already considered an industry vet with decades of experience with uh, just some uh, little shops like Disney, Universal, and Paramount. Uh, Christian has a, a really a, an authentic passion for creative concepts for uh, location-based entertainment, sites and attractions around the world uh, that draw curiosity and lead to guest transformation. He's uh, led that energy towards dozens of attractions worldwide, including Disneyland Paris, Islands of Adventure, and California Adventure. He doesn't stop there, Mel. Christian also helps other creatives grow in the craft by teaching concept design in both Japan and uh, here in California. So here's a concept. Why don't we get to that interview? All right, folks, keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. Mel, one of the things I remember uh, that I love to always pick up at the at Disneyland when I was young was the Mark Davis postcards, which were concept art of the different uh, scenes in Pirates of the Caribbean. Some that weren't actually scenes in Pirates of the Caribbean because they never made it to the actual uh, ride, but some that were and and that look and feel of those old postcards. I just I just love looking at the old. Uh, uh, concept art how about you uh there's a yeah a real power in some of those uh images to connote kind of the essence whether it's of just an individual scene and an attraction or even an entire park i mean when you talk about things like you know herb ryman's uh original magna carta of imagineering yeah. that first bird's eye sketch of of disneyland to you know to convey uh something to to bankers that uh, words just couldn't convey uh, that, you know, there's definitely power behind that, that image. It, it, it reminds me of this uh, Daniel Burnham quote, the guy that did the Chicago world's fair and almost invented urban planning, you know, make no little plans for they do yeah. not have the power to, to stir men's hearts. Uh, and that, that is definitely the power of some of those, uh, even whether it's a storyboard sketch that captures that essence or the, the entire park. A lot of power behind it. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, that becomes the fine art of the uh, 20th century. And in a, a lot of ways, especially for those of us who are uh, into that sort of thing uh, or, or might make a podcast out of so that sort of thing. <laughs> I call it the uh, power of a pencil. You know, it's funny, uh, you know, a pencil can lead to a uh, billion dollars in funding if it's the right uh, <laughs> image. So. That's right. Um, 
Yeah, no, I love I love pulling out the napkin and saying, wait, 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 did you I know I'm describing it like this, but here's what I'm thinking. And then somehow you end up with the idea that moves to the next moves things to the next uh, role. Now, uh, we're talking about concept design today, concept design and uh, uh, concept development uh, with our interview with Christian Hope. And that idea, the role of the concept designer, the role of the person who does first put their pencil to paper, uh, is, is that's often what people think of when they think, hey, I want to get into uh, theme park design. I'm I'm interested in theme park design. They're thinking oftentimes in in terms of that initial concept uh, drawing or those those concept paintings, and I suppose that that is because a lot of times it those concepts guide so much of what the production actually ends up being. Um, it, how how do we go from concept? to the, the real hard work of the draftsman's table and uh, the construction documents and all of that. Why is that so important in the process? Well, you know, I tell you, uh, Christian is a great example of someone that can bridge the gap between mind and, and hand uh, in terms of there's, there's uh, artists that are really focused on the artwork, the illustration. Um, but when you have someone like Christian that has kind of incurred the brain damage that the industry experience, uh, understands left and right brain issues of throughput and capacity. Um, you know, there's a real power behind someone that again, uh, can lead a creative development effort, but, but, uh, you know, and, and actually translate that, uh, directly by hand. Uh, you know, I know he, he draws on, on screens these days rather than pencil and paper, but, but, uh, whether it's him directly or, uh, you know, hand holding, if you will, or guiding his team, um, you know, again, it, it's just a, it's it's a real special thing to have someone that can lead uh, both the creative development as well as actually leading the the concept design uh, and the actual artwork. Yeah, and I've heard you say before that it's not just pretty pictures. The pretty pictures do um, open people's eyes, but the, they they do cast a vision for what will be and what what guests are going to experience. Well, and quite often this is the stuff that uh, is setting the expectations, whether it's with the public, with, uh, you know, shareholders, whoever's actually, you know, writing the check for, for this little uh, uh, experience that, uh, you know, can be quite expensive. And so, you know, there's a, you know, there's a balance there of um, certainly not, you don't want to um, under, you know, deliver, you, you really need to set the expectation, but, but also it has to be exciting enough to, to, you know, open the floodgates and yeah. get them past that fence. So it's a, it really is a special, uh, you know, uh, power and responsibility that comes along with, uh, you know, that, that image, you know, cause I've, I've seen it go the other way where you kind of, uh, over promise and it has nothing to do with <laughs> the reality of budget scope and schedule. Yeah. 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 Kind of a problem. Yeah, uh, the 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 line <laughs> "seeing is believing" comes to mind. Is once you do see it, you you can really start to believe that this project can be made when you when you see it in sight, not just coming out of somebody's uh, imaginary uh, uh, spouting. So I'm going to tell you this story about a thing that I'm going to do. But once you see it on that paper uh, or on the screen, it becomes more real. And the, the funny thing is a lot of people have no idea the thousands and thousands of hours and sheets and, and you know, that go into documentation alone, uh, you know, behind that, you know, that follows that concept. But, um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot in that. 
Totally true. Well, today's guest is Christian Hope, Vice President of Paramount Studios, Theme Parks and Resorts. Christian has contributed concept designs in development of world-class attractions here in the U.S. and around the world. His concepts have resulted in some of the most visited location-based entertainment sites around the world, including Disneyland Paris, Universal's Islands of Adventure, and Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Disney's California Adventure. So are you ready to dive into our interview with Christian? Hope? Definitely. All right, let's do it. Christian Hope, it's really exciting to have you here in the Blue Skyloft. I'm excited to be here. You are. I'm, I'm glad you are here. <laughs> this has been a long time coming, actually. We've been toying around you're with... busy guy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And and, and uh, uh, we're just glad you're here today. Hang out with us and um, spend some time uh, getting to know you and your uh, exciting career. It's uh, in a lot of the places that we've, you know, toyed around in the same place. We just saw th- uh, some stuff out in the in the uh, workshop that was part of something that you'd worked on in that's the past. right mario really kart kind of yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah pretty cool yeah cool right. well <laughs> you know uh we've part of the reason for the delay is i'm such a fan of the paramount lot you know i've i've you know yeah, had a few meetings right. out there and i've always taken the opportunity to sneak around and i was really wanting to use it as another excuse to get out your way but thanks yeah. so much for Trucking down south here. My almost. parents met on that lot. No kidding. Actually, they, when I first started working there three years ago, uh, they gave me a bungalow, which these are old, old bungalows, right? Yeah. And um, it was literally 60 feet away from where my parents met. They worked at Desilu Studios no for kidding. Lucille Ball. Oh, yeah. yeah, my dad was a contract, like a musician contractor. That's been kind of annexed in now, hasn't it? Into the rest of the parents. Oh, yeah. It's all, yeah. it's all one lot wow. now. It used to be all broken up into yeah. different in studios. But my uh, my dad was a music contractor. My mom was an accountant for Lucille Ball, and he came in and you know <laughs> had a question about some payroll issue. And apparently, when he left, she turned to her friends and said, "I'm going to marry that man." <laughs> so, oh yeah, wow, yeah, a little Hollywood uh, connection there. So wow. it's come full circle, apparently. Well, you yeah. could get buried at Hollywood forever and kind of just have your whole story come oh, full yeah. circle right yeah, down the same right street. Down the yeah, I know that's right next door. I can get buried there. Yeah. I, funny story. Let's not I, talk about. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> right next I to actually worked, I worked at for Hollywood Forever uh, funeral for uh, funeral home cemetery for about a week. I did once. that. Yeah, that. I was, oh, I was selling, trying to sell plots. I was awful at it. Wow. Yeah. So there wasn't exit retail. <laughs> no, there, <Okay>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Oh, you funny. know, you come in, you don't check out. So. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Well, yeah. you've had uh, some some ties back in the industry, and and I mean, I'd love to kind of get your genetic code dna you know start story you know in terms of your relatives and artists and yeah um so my grandfather my dad's father he was an art director for the films and he actually won an oscar for a movie called the merry widow and um we actually have that at our house everybody comes over has to hold the oscar it's oh fun. that's fun yeah and i think tony baxter was the one that told me about that i was uh, like he was like yeah pretty impressed with your pedigree there yeah um yeah it's it's kind of cool you, uh, I, I never looked at it as living in a long shadow but I, I you know he died awfully young um but then let's see my grandmother was a scenic painter so they met working on a film and uh then my father was a musician and he owned a, an editorial company and like I said, my mother was a uh, <clears throat> an accountant for the studios. So that's the connection on that side. And then my uncle, my dad's brother, worked at Disney. And he was one of the designers of the, uh, you know, the restaurant when you, after you walk out of 
Crystal Palace, I think it's called. Is yeah. it the restaurant yeah. there? Yeah. He was one of the architects that designed that. And he worked for Disney for a long time, helped develop the park in Florida, the initial you know, uh, Magic Kingdom. And then his son also worked at Imagineering, too. And so his son, Frederick, they're both named Frederick, mm-hmm. Frederick Jr., was the first company I worked for. And I thought I was going to be a model builder because I was one of those kids who built like balsa wood models yes. and detail them, like draw faces on the <laughs> pilot in there and like, you know, <laughs> I, I would decrepit, you know, things on the side of the, on the, on the plane. But um, I walked in there with my models thinking I was immediately going to get a modeling job. And um, what happened is they handed me a broom and uh, uh, said, yeah, yeah, we're not going to give you modeling work quite right now. So that was that was later on. We we'll trust you with a little us. before we trust Pretty you Pretty much, yeah. So I literally learned the business from the ground up, I would say. Yeah. And then they started allowing me to draft because I was uh, I was going to art school at the same time. So I was learning how to draft and draw and stuff like that, build models and a set builder too. So that was my my start. Well-rounded. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And then I actually got, when I went to Knott's Berry Farm, I was hired to actually rebuild, I don't know, the last time, you, I haven't been there a long time, but they had these mission models. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember, are, they, yeah. are they still there? They are know. still there. I was are there really? uh, a few weeks ago, yeah. So I don't know if they've rebuilt those, but my assignment, my initial assignment was to rebuild all the mission models. Yeah. And I walked in there to check them out, and they were just completely falling apart. Yeah. You know, the termites had eaten these things to pieces. And uh, I took a break at some point. And I said to him, I don't, I don't know if we can do this for the budget. that Because I think they had like $5,000 to yeah, do yeah. all the models. And <laughs> there's, what, 13 of them or something like that? Yeah. And so they said, yeah, forget that. We need some signs designed. And so I think for the next two, three years, I worked at... Uh, Knott's Berry Farm designing signs and oh, that's great. making store the store what, what years was this? That would be uh, 84, 85, 86. Was Robin 80, Hall uh, there? Robin Hall was my boss, yeah. Uh, no kidding. We just great kicked guy. off our first Knott's project uh, last oh, really? week, and um, Bruce Green on our team was yeah. Robin's partner for a number of years. And uh, I remember having lunch with Matt when we met, and convincing him to pull the mission models out of storage you know because that's such a core thing for any parent and any kid uh in southern california they all had to build their own models so there's an emotional connection they want to find a semi-professionally built version of what they tried to we did we were we homeschooled our kids and so we would go to knott's berry farm to do the missions uh uh, unit mission yeah Grade nine or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I didn't realize you. We, we got to talk about Robin just for a bit. We, he's you know, a we brilliant collaborate guy. With Robin I love on, the guy. He's, yeah. he's, have you ever seen him draw? Love have you actually yeah. have watched him draw? Yeah. I am convinced that actually everything's in his head, and his his pen is simply like a plotter. <laughs> yeah. he'll, he'll start like literally on the on the left hand corner and just draw from the left-hand side to the right-hand side. I can side. almost hear that dot matrix printed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it's, yeah. The detail that he puts into these drawings is amazing. Uh, Have you ever seen him draw? No, I haven't. It's crazy. Like, he's a genius level artist. Are there online videos? The he should do that. That's this. a good yeah, thing. That's, that's the next one. one. We're gonna, yeah, we we had the chance to collaborate with him on uh, our project. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, Poverty Encounter. And he's so. working on the, one of the projects that I'm working at at Paramount Studios right now, nice. actually. We yeah. just, actually, I just yesterday sent them a email with some art direction on something he's going to take because what we figure with Robin he's been at it so long he's such a genius that we're giving him the more difficult attractions to work on that have a lot of you know technical integration 
a lot of set work and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you're, you're safe when you give it to him because he's always going to do something amazing. Awesome. So. Well, your time on the farm, what, 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 uh, what, what do you remember about that? What do you look back? It was interesting on? because, you know, I, again, I, I went from that one company that we did sets and all that stuff. And I, I was essentially apprentice. So I helped the sculptors do everything. You know, it was just like the young guy that to schlep everything, and yep. I was that guy. You know, and then you go over to Knott's Berry Farm, and what was cool about Knott's is they had shops. At the, I don't know if they still have it there, but they had all the shops were there. So they had actually kind of like your setup here. They would have you could build sets, they could build signs. They had the graphics shop there, sure. so you would literally. I, I, I had they had a thing called the design order system. So you would get a design order. It would say, we need a new sign at whatever, Virginia's gift shop. So I would sit down, design the sign, take it to the people, get it approved, and then do a drafting, you know, a very quick drafting of it and take it right over to the shop. I mean, it's all walking distance. Yeah. You just hand <laughs> yeah. it over to these people. So and unique. then in a week, you get a sign, you know, yeah. and then you go hang it. And yeah. <laughs> so it was a, you know, one-stop shop type thing. And it was cool to, because I got to know those people on a, on a intimate level. I knew all these builders and stuff like that. So I have a real appreciation toward that. Yeah. So that was, that was a cool experience. And I very quickly, they gave me a role because it was a separate division. I, uh, I got promoted very quickly up into almost a management role. And, and so I, I was starting to leave a little bit of that creativity behind. I really wanted to stay because I was really young. I was like 22 or something like that. <laughs> so I wanted to stay in the creative field. So, uh, Eddie Sato, uh, who's a friend of mine. Actually, I'll go back a little bit. I was in, I was cleaning up the uh, file system they had there, and I find it, it was a mess. Okay, and I find these drawings, and they're amazing. Uh, the, God, they were like the soapbox derby or something oh, yeah, like that. Yeah, wacky soapbox racers. Yeah, and it was his sketches, and I was blown away by these sketches. And I I was uh, I called my cousin up and I said, "Do you know this guy Eddie Sato?" I I, I could make out a signature, <laughs> and he goes, "Yeah, he's a friend of mine." I said, "I have to meet the guy." Yeah. So we went to dinner that like the, that week, I think, and just immediately became friends because we were you know both goofballs who draw and come up with ideas and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's where I met Eddie Sato, and. Uh, and so then a couple of years later, I think a year or so later, he calls me up and he says, I'm going to work at Disney Imagineering. They're hiring for Euro Disney. So I said, yeah, well, let me check it out. So I put my portfolio together and went up there for an interview and I got that job. Yeah, so that was 87, great. I think, 87. So, yeah, it's a good experience. Yeah, it's good what, to know people. Yeah. What did you get to work on there? Immediately, I was, well, I was hired to work on Frontierland for Paris. Mm -hmm. Um but that they hadn't had their act together quite yet. So the first thing I worked on was the Indiana Jones ride. Oh yeah, um, and it went coaster. through many, many different iterations. Yeah, it was a roller coaster. It was a this. It was that. It was a lot of stuff. And the one thing that I worked on that stayed was something for Tony Baxter. Actually, it was the vehicle. The, so that went from a or car, uh, like a car, like in the, in the second yeah. one, I think. With yeah, the, with Temple the, of Doom. Yeah. Uh, then it went to the, the troop transport. Mm -hmm. And so that one stayed, actually. So that was the first thing I worked on. And that was years before it got built, I think. I yeah, can't wow. remember what year it got built. But then, yeah, you know. 93? Uh, was it that 95. 95. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that, that was how many years yeah, that was a while back. Yeah, yeah they, that was in development a long time, but it was again, it was so far ahead of it. It was just scribble sketches and Eddie and me and you know a couple other people working on ideas, and we would just go in these random meetings and pitch these ideas, and it would be like, all right, well, we'll think about it, you know. And yeah, 
they I don't think they hadn't quite figured out the licensing or all that stuff. So it was very preliminary. And then the Frontierland took off. And so I started working directly for a guy named Jeff Burke. I don't know if you know who that sure. is, but he was yeah. the producer over that. And we became instant friends. And uh, what happened was is he... He was very much a, a, obsessed, I think is probably the right word to use in this case, <laughs> with the Phantom Manor, uh, uh, yeah. the haunted house that they had there. So he was completely focused on that. And so I kind of went around and did a whole bunch of sketches on all the other parts of the of the frontier land. And I actually worked on Discoveryland, too, with uh, Tim Delaney and did a little bit of work with Tom Morris. It's funny because I, I never ended up working with Eddie Sato on that part. <laughs> I work with everyone else, yeah, right. but not Eddie, but we, you know, we remain friends. Um, that was interesting. But uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, the Phantom Man, then I went to go work on the Phantom Manor with Jeff and I helped develop the soundtrack for that. So I had a musical background too. I'd written music for theme parks and stuff like that. So that was a cool experience. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it was, I think what happens with that and, any advice that I'd give to young people, if you're creative in any way, shape, or form, you should exhibit that and share that with people mm -hmm. so that, you know, maybe you're the next person to write a song for something or maybe you're the next person to, who knows what, you know, just creativity, I don't think, has to stop at just drawing or writing or anything. As long as you can do a lot of different things, I think that's important to yeah. show that to people. There's two two basic paths people can take. They secretly draw, and that's their little hidden hobby, and they never share it with anybody, or that's all they want to think about and, and go for. So I, you, you mentioned before we were talking that you have a passion for, um, you know, sort of, you've got 30 years under your belt in this industry now wanting to share it. And, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, yeah. And, and I taught, you know, and that's why I taught that in my, in my class. I, I you know, um, I think we, we were talking about this right before, but you know, the thing was, is I started noticing that, um, if you work for a company, I, this is not going to get too negative, but I mean, if you work <laughs> for a company, you're kind of slotted a little bit, right? Yeah. You're going to work in set design or you're going to work in whatever. And that's how companies function, like large companies like Disney and Universal. And, you know, in your guys' situation, you guys are working in a smaller group, so you can, bounce back and forth, right? You can do architecture, you can do set design, you can yep. character design, whatever it is. As long as you have those skills, then you, why not, you know, do it. And so that's why I had my own company. And so when I went to go teach, I well, I, I figured out that I could do this in my own company and not have to worry, because I left Disney like three times <laughs> because I wasn't getting, it was, I wasn't getting promoted as fast as I wanted to get promoted. I wasn't allowed to work on one thing because I would step into somebody else's shoes yeah. to do something. Like when I did that music thing for, for the Phantom Manor, yeah. you know, it, it pissed off 10 people because right. you know it's like, hey, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like, oh, sorry, I just had this idea. And you know, I didn't want to piss anybody else, so I left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, but, but honestly, that's a, the, at the time, that was the best way to get a raise, frankly. Sure, yeah, come back and yeah. <laughs> you, oh, get, wow, you, you come back at a higher yeah, rate right. and stuff like that. But um, anyway, back to the whole school thing. I was trying to teach kids because I was noticing they were hiring less and less creative people. And I think if you're creative, there's this natural desire to explore a lot of different options. At least that's what I had. And yeah. I noticed that with other friends of mine. They, they, they didn't just want to do one thing. And so my company was set up to to do all that kind of stuff, just basically be a creative partner for Disney, for Universal, for different companies, just do that. That was my goal. So when I went to go teach the class, I said, hey, guys, they're not hiring lifetime creative people anymore. This is not the case. And if you look at the state of the industry right now, that's really true. Yeah. You know, it's, it's think about think about the long, like, like at my age, I'm noticing like, you know, like Joe Rody just 
left that company. Yeah. He was like a legend over there. Yeah. Uh, there's, I can't mention a lot of other people that have that kind of pedigree, right? I mean, right. maybe you guys can. I don't know. Yeah. No, it, well, it, that are still it, there. Yeah. Yeah. That are still there right. and have that kind of you know thirty years of experience there. And he, you know, he kind of made his own situation there because yeah. he's yeah. so brilliant. You know, he he was able to, you know, he did the Animal Kingdom obviously, and that was just a huge hit. And that was all him. You know, with yeah. it, well, obviously his team, but I mean, that was what he did. And he had a lot. He had the widest birth of any yeah. creative <laughs> probably person. Probably the most personal park other than Disneyland. Uh, yeah, that's Disney, right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, that's yeah, totally. So, uh, so, so that was that. That's been the thrust of my uh, educational part of yeah. it, I guess you'd say. Yeah. Um, and you said uh, you, your your kids are. Uh, my kids are now in the in the business, and yeah. it's really funny because uh, I don't. How old are your kids? You said uh, 26, 20. 27, okay. 20, well, you know, it, it is, so you know, kids get to that certain point where they're they're thinking about what they're going to do for a job or right. what they're going to whatever. And I told my kids, because they would come to my studios and they learned drafting very young and they would help me with that stuff and some modeling work, you know, computer modeling. And, you know, they weren't really kind of that much into it, Mm -hmm. you know, when they were younger. But I said, here's the thing about this industry. If you if you do it long enough and you get some success, you will want to stay in it because it's fun. (laughs) It's a fun job to do. And, uh, you know, they got bitten by that bug at a certain point. (laughs) So they they opened up a company called Job Shoppers, which is an old architectural term, you know, for people who just do basically small jobs here and there. But, excuse me, they, they opened that company and right away they got work drafting and doing model work and, you know, kind of production design support. And uh, very proud of them to see that. It's really cool. And we hired them a few times, actually, That's to do great. work for us. Yeah. yeah, it's great. No, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's a fa- you know, it's a kind of a family business, I guess. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. It's generations now. And you're... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's fun. Look, it's a fun job. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't require you to grow up. That's the best part about it. Right? Yeah. You can always but be a kid. It's interesting. You mentioned some of those Disney legends, kind of the, the lifer yeah. era. It almost seems like it's, it's past... You know, but the Tony Baxter's and but yeah, earlier you mentioned Herb Ryman. You got to see uh, that was like awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I met a lot of those guys. I you know I knew Buzz Price, um, uh-huh. uh, his son David Price. Um, so yeah, one one day my uncle, who was very supportive. I you know I hope any parents who listen to any of this, hopefully if they have a creative child, they'll support them as much as possible because that really helps. You know, walking out with a sense of confidence. Anyway, my uncle, he was very supportive and he could kind of, we got kind of identify with each other because we were both you know, like a hard of hearing. That was one thing too. We were both like kind of daydreamers. And I think being hard of hearing sort of lends itself to yeah, daydreaming because yeah. you can't hear anything. So you're just like, Duh, you know, <laughs> thinking about stuff. Um, he invited me to lunch one day when I was in high school and it was with Herbie Ryman. And of course, I didn't know who that was. And, you know, and, and Herbie was this elfin, <laughs> adorable person, Smiley. you know, this little yeah. guy that walks in with this white hair and he's always wore a suit, like an ascot. It was, it was great. Oh, you know, sort of old school kind yeah. of style. Flair. He had flair. Yeah. Yeah, totally, yeah. So we had lunch and, uh, it's really funny because on his jacket, he had paint on, on the, on the edges of his jacket. Cause you know, he sat there on paint all day. Yeah. And so he says, oh, you want to see what I'm working on? And this is right in the, they were in the planning stages of uh, Epcot. Mm. So I went up there, and uh, I mentioned to you guys my grandmother was a scenic painter, and uh, you know she did still lives. So when I was a little kid, she taught me how to draw and paint as a little kid. 
and we would just do still lives, you know, and to me that was really boring, mm -hmm. you know, plain air and still lives and stuff like that. To me, that was awfully boring. So, uh, when I went to go see Herbie in his office, he had paintings of things that were clearly from his imagination. Uh, you know, they were yeah. not from anything that existed. It was mm. like coming out of his head. Right. And that was really when I decided that's what I wanted to do. I, yeah. I, I mm. said, yeah, I want to be, because I have these ideas in my head. I better learn how to draw better yeah. <laughs> or communicate them better so that I could actually do this as a job. So I guess I just wanted to be a Herbie yeah. at some point. Create something <laughs> awesome. new out of, out of nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, so that's what I do. <laughs> to this day, <laughs> so, you know, I come up with ideas and pitch them and see who, who takes. Yeah, and I, and I love the the variety of contexts and situations you've been able to do that in. You know, both within the big companies, uh, but also on your own. We were talking about some of the non traditional theme park environments that you've been able to design for. Oh yeah, Can you that, touch on that. Yeah, I think this is where we have a lot of yeah, design beyond the berm. You oh know, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, the um, the guy who hired me, when I, one of the first clients that I had was a man named Williston Dye. Everybody called him Bill Dye. He worked at Disney. He was the head of the AF&E group for a while. Mm. And we kind of hit it off when we were there, you know, both jokesters. And uh, he was one of my first clients. And what we did is we designed uh, hospitals and, you know, children's hospitals. And it started out with children's hospitals because, you know, they figured that people who come from the theme park industry would have, you know, a, a way, some creative thinking on how to, like, approach some of these children's hospitals. And that was an amazing experience. And then that led into different <clears throat> other hospitals that we did. We actually worked on some casinos, and they were quite the polar opposite of hospitals, but uh, <laughs> a lot of Indian casinos, like in Canada and places like that. Yeah, my uh, first post Disney job was with Morongo. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, Cabazon Band of Mission Indians. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was it was a great experience, and we we did a whole bunch of projects. I can't even remember all the things we did, but we were constantly traveling. What we would do is we would go to the the, the people who own the place, like the hospital or whatever it was. We would go to them with like a group of people, the Kirk brothers. You know them, Steve sure. and Tim yeah. Kirk. Yeah, they were there. Tom Childs was there. Um, a couple other people uh, whose names escape me right now, but we would go there and do these like focused uh, charrettes, you sure. know, where we'd sit there and figure out how do how do we turn this because a lot of cases these hospital systems were flagging a little bit, they were not doing well, so we had to figure out how to turn that 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 ship around, and we would go there and and have these creative brainstormings. It would last like three days, and at the end of that three days, we'd pitch this new idea. So. You know, we'd have architectural solutions, storyline solutions. <clears throat> In some cases, like the children's hospitals, we would actually create characters and storylines for the kids to engage, you know, like be their partner while they're getting some health care. Wow. So, yeah, it was really. That's really. Yeah. Neat. It was. How was that received by some of the health care providers? And uh, they they were blown away because because you know we were talking about how often when you work in that industry it's it's a hard job you know it's it's a really hard thing to have to deal with sick people constantly right and what i think that a lot of in a lot of cases what they would do is they would put on like this facade of a tough person to sort of protect their emotions because yeah. you know and so we kind of broke that down a little bit with this sort of whimsical approach that we took toward things and I was telling Mel that in a lot of cases you'd be pitching and you look out to the people you're pitching in this conference room they'd be sobbing yeah right I mean because you're really touching them on the, the yeah. you know their hearts you know and yeah. then that was that was 
awkward, uncomfortable, but very rewarding at the same yeah. time. You know, yeah, so the, we all cry together. You yeah. know, so let's go have a drink. Well, the the respect and honor of the the patient's journey and the the empathy and the sympathy. Oh know, yeah, is, is so different. From I can't imagine what you would that would be like to see every day. You yeah. know, I mean, we were just there for bits at a time, you know, but having to deal with that every day, it's, 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 it's tough, but hopefully, and in some cases, I, like, I went to go visit the, the hospital in Boston, and then the one in Dinuba over here, and it was great to see, you know, you, the fruits of your effort, yeah. and the, you know, the collaboration that came together to create that, it, it was very rewarding. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely, I think what you're, what's happening is these people are getting an opportunity to tell their story, they didn't know they'd be able to tell it in this way and you're reading it back to them i have my daughter or we just got the video from her wedding and it's far more emotional to us than to the guy who's editing editing the film yeah right so but when we see it we're all engaged in it and i think that's what gets touched on when you're creating something especially for a client that is making something that's making a difference in people's lives and you suddenly give them an opportunity well you know that's one of the reasons why i went into teaching i taught for like i think three years over at art center the evening programs yeah um, I wanted to reach people because I, I look out at those young people and I see myself, you yeah. know, the, the person who is like, I, I know I want to do something creative, but I don't know what it is, you know. And yeah. I went to Catholic school, Providence over in Burbank, across from the Disney Studios. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they really didn't have an art program. So I was I was in the sports and football and baseball of all and places, like right across the street from the I know, Magic it's Factory. It's amazing. In <laughs> Ruben Procopio, I don't know if you heard, ever heard his name. He was like this phenom guy, and he, came, he went to school with me. And literally from the day he graduated, just walked right across the street. And he, he's like this <laughs> Disney legend in, within the company. He's a sculptor, an artist, an architect. I mean, this guy does amazing work. And th- that was in middle school. <laughs> his drawings that I saw in middle school were like professional level wow. stuff. And obviously they snapped him up, you yeah. know, because his, his dad actually was one of the lead sculptors over at Imagineering, mm-hmm. and uh, his his sister worked there as well in the in the in the archive library. But they so Providence didn't really have any kind of creates. The only thing they had was a drama department. Mm-hmm. So I knew that at a certain point that I wanted to quit sports and then get into something creative, and so. What I did with a friend of mine, we, we actually wrote plays. We, mm-hmm. we would write plays or musical plays, and we did the set design. We did all that stuff. And that was really the only creative outlet that was right there for us to do. So um, I, I'm sure there were awful plays and everything like that. <laughs> but it, all, it was my first taste of doing something truly creative that was environmental, too, yeah. you know, because it's theater. Yep. And um, I worked, I mean, I did some concept work for films occasionally here and there, but what I like about the themed entertainment business, it's highly collaborative. Mm. You're working directly with the builders, you're working directly with the architects, you're you're collaborating, you're, you're handing off things and they're handed back to you and there's that collaboration that I really like. You don't really have that in the film industry so much. You know, the writer does their job yeah. and that, you know, the passed producer on. does their job. It's just passed on and stuff like that. So as a matter of fact, one time I was working on a film and um, I had another idea for a scene that when I was pitching the set design work that I was working on for them, I said, hey, I was thinking that in this one scene where the character does this, I thought maybe they could go into this thing. And, I, and the writer was sitting there and he goes, yeah. And the producer goes, yeah, you're the you're the designer. I'm not asking you to write anything. So yeah. when we want pictures, we'll talk to you. When we want a script, we'll talk to oh, that person over there. I was like, shut you. down. Yeah, really, big time. <laughs> 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 you know, kill creativity and cross Sit down, kid. Yeah, yeah. That's what I learned about the film industry. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, did you ever teach? Or, I mean, do you? I did. Yeah, we actually uh, were. 
got an opportunity to help start a program kind of near here uh, at a university called CBU. There's a College of Visual Arts and Design, mm-hmm. CAVAD, and um, we actually kind of modeled it after the studio here in terms of uh, incorporating a nationally licensed, uh, I mean, a accredited architecture program along with um, their visual arts, communication, film program. So it's kind of multidisciplinary. So yeah, it's kind of, kind of cool. We've, that's cool. We've, uh, it's rough had work. a couple it's of tough. our guys go on to be full time. Actually, we just lost an architect to become a full-time professor really? there. Yeah. Uh, I've done adjunct stuff, but we've more importantly, we've been able to bring interns on and hire some folks. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, it's a tough job. I mean, any, you do it for the love of it and passing on what you do to somebody else. And, and I don't know about you, but your success rate with students, but I think maybe four percent of the students <laughs> that I would have really clicked you know what I mean yeah a uh, lot of a lot of people in art school kind of tourists you know they don't really <laughs> you know what I mean they, they weren't committed yeah and as a matter of fact uh, a couple of people that I were my students actually went on to work for Disney and stuff and you could tell you, you know what I mean like sure. you look out and you see that in the eyes something like right. lights up yeah and, like, and that makes it worth it you know that connection that you make and I actually would lecture and teach and do these workshops with this whole group of kids that came from Japan I work for a, a guy that we would do these things over at the cathedral in downtown uh, LA you know that oh yeah that one, one right out yeah. of the 101 they have these giant conference rooms and, and they would they would bus in these kids like 200 300 kids at a time you know there's a giant room full of these kids and in that culture you know at least what the guy told me who was japanese himself he says you know when the kids go to art, art school and stuff like that the parents are just hoping they'll do something because they want them to be business people they don't want them to right. be an artist because that's you know that, that profession doesn't have any real respect you know, over there and so and the 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 thing that i told the kids because, you know, when I learned about that, when the guy told me about that, I was kind of bummed out. I'm like, oh, that's too bad because I grew up with so much support around me. Right. And seeing people around me that were successful in the business, uh, that's what my orientation was. So you see these kids and they're kind of mopey, you know, they're kind of <laughs> like, you know, walk in, they just sit down, they shuffle in, they sit down. And they kind of carried with them this kind of negative attitude. Yeah. And I said, look, guys, let me tell you something. Everything... It was a dream in somebody's head. Uh-huh. Everything you touch, everything you, this right. ball of water, this table, this chair you're sitting in, it was a thought in somebody's head. It was a design. Somebody cared about it. Somebody fashioned it. Yeah. And that starts with you. You know, you guys are designers. Don't think that your job is not important. Mm. It's very important because everything needs to be thought up and designed. And so yeah. you could see them just. Oh, immediately yeah. straighten up and yeah we love that idea that you're helping people understand you are a creator you're you're made yeah. in the image of a creator you you are creative you're a creator and that's what design is you're yeah and it's like you, you it's like you took a bag off their head and they yeah, suddenly realized that the the origin of that whole thing which uh, you know again like if any parents are listening it's like Tell your children that tell you know awesome. support yeah. them because that's really the truth of it you know this book. You know, it was a thought in my head for a couple you weeks. you got to talk about Nala's Oasis. This yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful graphic Thank uh, you so much. novel yeah, no. that we're looking we, at. Uh, our little studio put this together. I had the idea. I had gone back and forth to the Middle East uh, a bunch of times. My wife is from that part of the world. And this is actually a dedication to my, my mother-in-law who, what, what, what happened was she died of dementia. And, and so over the years, she got worse and worse and worse. So my wife had to go be with her. And so I was on my own for, for a lot of weekends. My kids are grown, so I 
you know, rather than just play golf all the time, I figured I wanted, I had this story in my head, so I created this. And it's really about this Nala, who is a very tenacious person. She's kind of a Bedouin, and the village is, the wells are drying up, so they're going to have a drought. And she finds out about this, and then she's told about the ocean. She thinks the ocean is, is regular water. She doesn't understand. So she, she, because she doesn't have a brother and the father and the mother are too old, she decides to go out to the ocean to figure out how to do this. And all these characters that you see are the people that she meets on her journey. And she eventually ends up being kind of a hero character. And it was really based on my mother-in-law who, who, you know, she is, she was a tough as nails person. And they had, so they, you know, were started in Lebanon Things went to hell in a handbag, obviously, in Lebanon. We all know about that. Uh-huh. Then they went to Brazil, and then that turned out to be a mess. And they, they then it came to L.A. So th- they had to start their life over two times from mm-hmm. zero, uh-huh. from yeah. nothing. And so I felt uh, that was deserving of a, a book. Oh, that's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, what a great Yeah, she was an amazing. amazing person. And I'm lucky because I'm married to her daughter. So, yeah. You know. <laughs> Am I getting smart here? Or something? No, 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 no. You just you've got you've got the heart part. Where everybody loves the heart part. Is that available online? People can. Yeah, knowledgeways.com or it's on Amazon. You can get the uh, digital version, which is yeah. a lot cheaper. The Nala's is Budget spelled N A H L A. So Nala's Oasis. Yeah. Really cool. It was fun. Yeah, yeah it's fun so, to create. Epic. I mean, I love the variety stuff. Graphic novels, films, uh, hospitals. Fall hospitals. <laughs> yeah. Um, favorite, favorite, uh, most impactful favorite projects. Any ones that kind of float to the top of the list. Um. Well, I'll tell you an experience that happened while I was working on uh, Paris Disney, um, and it's not necessarily the project it was what happened when yeah. I was working on the project mm-hmm. experience so what happened it was uh, uh, <clears throat> I actually told this story years ago on, on another thing um, what happened was the the Phantom Manor was something we, I cared about a lot yeah you know and something I was working on with Jeff Burke and and I, I helped uh, design the, the the new stretch yes paintings <clears throat> um, the the placard out in front you know that you see is yeah, Phantom Manor. Manor I designed yeah. that um, and then what happened is, you know, when projects develop like that, you have like the exterior model that's sitting down in the model shop, which was gorgeous, you know, this amazing thing. And occasionally they would take pictures of it and they bring in a fog machine and oh, make it, all it was spectacular, it, yeah. right? <laughs> and then you have these amazing sets that are being designed by this amazing team. And then at a certain point, it was, we hit the dreaded value engineered <laughs> moment in the project and they were gonna they were gonna hack the budget on this thing like crazy and so everybody found out about that and it was like uh, I mean just literally all the enthusiasm went out of the room when yeah, that happened yeah. you know everybody was super bummed because they worked so hard on this beautiful thing and you know the the uh, the, the spree de corps was at the all-time low and so at that time I had had this idea about what, how, I walked up to Jeff, the producer, and I said, look, is, is there an idea that you have for the music for this thing? And he goes, no, I don't. I don't really have an idea right now. He's too busy working on all yeah. the other stuff, right? You know, because it was producer role, you're, it's like 50 plates in the air. And I said, I have an idea. Can I, can I do a demo for you guys? He said, okay. So <clears throat> I went with my friend and who plays keyboard, and we decided to do a waltz. Mm. of the thing mm. because the ride itself is very cinematic if you've been on it I don't know if you've been on that mm-hmm. attraction 
but it's very cinematic. It's it's got a serious tone to it. It's mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. heavy. It's 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 not as lighthearted as the one that we have here, which has you know wacky surf yeah. guitar and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> this one is a lot heavier and a lot more uh, you know scary. Mm-hmm. And so we did less this Mark thing. Davis, <laughs> more Clyde Yeah, less yeah. Mark Davis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we were really happy with it, and so. I think the next week from that, Eisner was going to come in. So what we did is we went out to the model shop and we had all the storyboards put up, all the all the designs of all the different rooms and things like that. And then the model was sitting there, <clears throat> and we brought in this sound system, and we just blasted this whole thing, and people started crying. I mean, people were so in because like, oh it came together because you yeah. could see the ride, you could see the storyboard, you could see the, the design so romantic and and it had this sweeping yeah. soundtrack that just came out great. You know, the keyboard part of it came out wonderful. And then the following day, Eisner came in and we did the same thing. And there's that feeling that you have when you're pitching this whole thing where you're going out on a limb, right, yeah. to do this whole thing. And my goal was like, I want to save this project and not have it you know, get value engineered, right. you know, because my philosophy has always been in Disney. If you lavish the guests with beautiful design, oh, work, yeah. they will love you for it. Yes. You know? And if you don't, they will don't hate you. For yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. So anyway, Eisner saw this whole thing and he had a visceral reaction to it. And all the, you know, the suits that he was with, you know, all had the same reaction. They were all blown away and they went, yeah, okay. And we, he didn't say it right then, but he apparently he turned to somebody and says, don't touch the budget. Yeah. No, that's fine. It needs you know? it. So, that moment, yeah, that's I will super. always remember because it made a big difference. Saving on that an thing. e-ticket, that's a pretty saving big deal. something that was going right into the ringer. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like you just pulled it out at the last moment. So that was where cool. were you in Tomorrowland '98? <laughs> What's that? Where were you with New Tomorrowland '98? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody had to save no that comment. budget. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff you see. Uh, you know, it's really funny. I was somebody asked me a long time ago. They said, you know, <clears throat> uh, you know, what are your most successful things. I said, the thing about being a concept designer and a creative guy in general is that on paper, you look like a complete failure <laughs> because like Disney and the archive, they probably have a your thousand, average, yeah. they have a yeah. thousand <laughs> drawings of mine. Yeah. You're yeah. Uh, yeah. So it stacks up and then maybe 2% of them get right. built, you know, but you know, that's your job. You're a concept designer, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's this constant cycle of that. You know, I still do that. I still pitch ideas that get yeah. shot down. It's been Never about being prolific. <laughs> yeah. oh, Getting a piece of it. It's a fun job. Getting up to bat. How do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears? Stories change lives. They make us remember, but only when they're felt and not just heard. Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit StorylandStudios.com or call now, 800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932. Storyland Studios. 
your big idea's best ally. I'm I'm developing a picture of uh, those, your story and what mm. what you're passionate about, and I'm starting to recognize that you you see all of the inputs into the industry. You see, for students, you're seeing they could come in and create a design for something that they hadn't thought of. You know, everybody wants to be a Joe Rody, but they're not. They're going to find a, a sort of niche, yeah. and and so as you as you're he sort was of, amazingly supportive, by the way, because mm, when yeah. I, the last time I left there. I, I didn't know him that well when I was actually there. We'd hung out a couple times, had a few beers over yeah. at the Tamashanner. Yeah. But, you know, I didn't really talk to him on a daily basis, but he was one of the last guys when I left for the last time. And he goes, Christian, you're always going to do well. You're a brilliant guy. So you always do well. Don't yeah. worry about it. You no, know, he's like from out of nowhere. He That's comes great. and says that. And so I, I sorry, no, I interrupted you. No, no, no. no but you're noting, up, you're no, yeah, you're noting that he. <laughs> no, he that was, was that. incredibly supportive. And, yeah. you know, people need that, you know, and I was confident that I was going to go because I always did really well as a freelancer. But, you know, now I had kids. Yeah. You know, yeah, now I had more mortgage and, yeah. and all that stuff. And so, yeah, a little more pressure on you to do well. So. Yeah. And that's what I'm getting at is your, your your studio that you or as a freelancer, you know, there's there's so much need in the industry for people to come in and fill a role. Maybe it's temporary. We talked about it before. There's no 30 year careers left no. uh, necessarily. And well, so there's you know, the, the inputs. Yeah, where the you creative c- part actually on projects is short. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because so you do a lot of the creative stuff at the very front end. And then come back into it occasionally, like if somebody else has to touch it, like, you know, a food operation person, or you have to tell them what the story was or whatever it was. You have to keep yeah. communicating to people that go on down the line. But uh, the, the creative part is actually relatively short. Most of my contracts, like in a typical year, I would have 30 contracts. Mm. and the, But those contracts would be just a few weeks. Right. right. Because, you know, it's like uh, I worked on... Um, uh, well, this went longer, but uh, the Mickey's Avenue for for Shanghai Disney, you know, I was on that for a few months, and then we we buttoned up the concept design, and that was it. You know, yeah. we're done, and then you hand it off to the architect, and you have a few review meetings, which you know you're only billing for two hours because yeah, you're only right. there for two hours <laughs> that you bill for. But then our group, because we're all artists, we 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 actually painted the murals. We designed mm. all the murals that were digitally printed and stuff like that. But it looks like painted right, you know, murals right. and stuff like that. But that's sort of where I, uh, the, my, what was different about my shop is that actually we could do the production art too. So we would do the concept planning, master planning. Like I worked on the Epic Park that they did for Universal. Yeah. Universal. Yeah. But, you know, then later on, you're working on the Mario Kart ride. You're doing set design with uh, American Scenic and Phil Bloom's group, you know. So we we would engage the projects there. So, yeah, we had kind of both ends. So, But it would be, at the very beginning, intense. But then later on, we pick up these smaller contracts. Well, I know... um there's with Paramount, there's more that you probably can't talk about than, yeah, than, you, than can. you can. But right. just from a big picture, high level perspective, particularly for um, any of our listeners that aren't as familiar with, you know, the studios that have uh, themed entertainment professionals within them and, you know, working with kind of third party developers and uh, licensed IPs and, and just kind of can you give some overview of, of the compare contrast, you know, from working at a place like Imagineering versus having your own studio uh, to what it's like, you know, operating with them. Well, you know, Imagineering, it's changing now, obviously, because sure. this new arrangement, they're yeah. moving it down to Florida. So I don't know what what 
kind of following Universal Creative's footsteps. Pretty right? much, yeah. Path. So I worked on I worked on uh, Islands of Adventure. I was one of the designers of the Superhero Island, a part of it. Oh yeah. <clears throat> and at that time, they wanted us to move down to Florida, and my life was up here, so I couldn't do that. Um, Disney, at the time when I was working there, and again, I don't know what it's like now. I have friends that still work there, but it's it's very systematic. You know, they have departments, they have all that stuff, and um, there's a very strong hierarchy in terms of the management and everything like that. Like, who do you report to? All right. those other things. When I went to Universal to work on Islands of Adventure, it wasn't that at all. <laughs> it was like kind of the Wild West, you know. Basically, they would they would they would tell you what your assignment is, and they would say, "See you Friday," and I better <laughs> see some designs, or else you know we'll find somebody else to do, do your job. And at Disney, they would have like typically, I would walk into a room, I'd be the creative designer or whatever it was. And there'd be like four producers or yeah, yeah. four project managers. It's very management heavy, and so that's what the, the what characterizes their company. And so, <clears throat> I didn't I, I didn't really see myself moving up in that company because I really wanted to stay creative. I be, I got to director level, but um, what I wanted to do is just actually just be creative still like there's one thing Eddie saw and I have in, in common we love to draw yeah so why ever not do that you, you always want to draw so my feeling was that when I started my company I wanted to just be a creative partner to different companies um, what's different about that is you're sort of it was based on me actually it was based on my I spent years setting up all these connections with people and I was sort of taking advantage of that later sure. on with my yeah, own career because I would I would sub for Disney all the time Universal I work for a lot and that was a better arrangement for me I, I, it's not mm. for everybody some people like a 9 to 5 job and everything like that but for me it was very freeing I didn't have to worry about HR or yeah. you know, something like <laughs> payroll yeah. cash flow yeah. AP yeah that's one thing it's, it's, I had to get used to coming back to a company like Paramount, you know, they actually have HR departments. I'm old enough to remember when <laughs> HR was called personnel. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and you would go in there, and if you had a problem, you you know, your boss would pour you two fingers of scotch, and you talk about it for <laughs> yeah. ten minutes, and go back to your job. Right. <laughs> Nowadays, you have to take modules. Yeah, you know, yeah. to learn about sensitivity for whatever reason they have to. Which I don't want to bag on it too much, but it's, it's not my scene. You know? <laughs> I'd rather be drawing. You know, right. Right. So. So that's what's different about that. Um, you have more freedom to kind of pick. You can also say no to jobs when you have something that you not, don't agree with. Yeah. yeah. I was asked to work on Sun City, South Africa at one point. I said, huh. well, I can't do that for <laughs> obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. And the guy says, well, you can make a lot of money. I'm like, I'm like mm. yeah, well. I'll pass. I'll pass on that one. Yeah, no kidding. So you can, I, I you, ain't gonna play. Sunday I ain't gonna play Sun City. Yeah, I, I got that single. <laughs> so you can say no. That's the one nice thing about it. Yeah. You can, in, in jobs end, you know. Uh, and again, there's pros and cons for everybody. You know, it's there's it's not a lot of security. And if I were going to give any advice to anybody pursuing that, is it's really about relationships. Mm. It's about how you can create good relationships, and you always have to deliver. You know, my dad told me when I decided because my dad was a real sports guy. He and I, I was a really good athlete. I was a really good catcher and stuff like that. And I was actually at one point being scouted. You know, and my dad was like, "Cool," because he was like a frustrated athlete. He was he was a football player and he got tackled and blew his knee out. So when he started seeing me actually get some success there, he was like, "Yeah, let's you know, you're going to be a professional baseball player, blah blah blah." 
And so I, I had to tell him at one point, I go, you know, I'm not into it anymore, Dad. I want to do something creative. And, you know, he, he was pissed off, you know. He's like, man, you know, whatever. And we didn't talk for a little while, like a couple of weeks and stuff like that. Wow. Anyway, yeah. That's <laughs> serious. Yeah, he was, he was, he didn't know how to deal with it. He was just like really bummed out. He's, he's, like, yeah, he's grieving, such a promising yeah. career and, you know, wow. baseball. Why, why are you walking away from that? I want to be in theater, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, so he, um, he came to me finally, got over it, and I guess he talked to my mom or something like that, and he goes, son, um, the advice I'm going to give you right now, listen to this, he goes, people think creative people are goofballs and irresponsible and unprofessional. Don't ever give them a reason to think that of you. And I was like, and it really sunk in, and it's true. A lot of people still believe that creative people are just wackadoodles and wing nuts and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that and they, you know they don't deliver on time and sure enough there's plenty of people like that but that was one ethic that i tried to keep with myself and that's what i want to pass on to my kids as well so these kind of lessons are things i'd like to pass on to the younger people coming up in the business you know they have to understand how you can be successful but you have to follow a couple rules yeah you know right. you have to because i was i was never the best artist or anything like that when i was working at disney i you know i worked alongside guys like brian jowers and john horney and you know guys that were just blow your mind Artists. with their artwork yeah, they, yeah. they're amazing yeah. and stuff like that and i was just i was an art director creator i would just do scribble drawings and hand them off to somebody else and um, it wasn't until I actually had my own company that I had to bone up on my art because I figured $5,000 for a rendering, I, I, better, I don't want to give $5,000 for that rendering. I should figure out how to do it myself. So <laughs> that's the only time I actually buckled down and tried to learn something when it came to rendering stuff. So, yeah. Well, it sounded like a pretty good gig uh, at 3113. Uh, you know, what was it that um, made you, you know, open to going to work for this, you know, little little company you know the CBS, little pirate ship that could over at paramount yeah, yeah. Kind well of a, kind of a big entity there a, lo a lot of it has to do with the guy that that called me ty granaroli i don't know yeah. if you know who he is sure. but he he worked at um he worked at landmark entertainment that's where i first met him and he's a brilliant guy too um he's a crazy gifted math guy he's like that a uh, beautiful mind mm. level like <laughs> it's amazing when he can figure out these numbers on things anyway he asked me he says uh would you be interested in coming over here and being the VP of design? Cause we have a bunch of projects that could, you know, I think you're right for. And you know, the goal was to build a little group to build a, out of nothing basically. Yeah. So when we went there, there was like nobody, the group that was there before they'd all been let go. And, um, so I said, yes. And it was funny because at the same time I was you talking get a chance to build a, a, a wet imagineering from ground up every day. Right? That was, that was actually a lot of it too. I, yeah. I really wanted to do that. I wanted to build a studio yeah. and we have a, a talented team of people, um, really. And they, you know, everybody does a lot of things too. This is sort of one kind of ground rule that I have is like, if you're a designer, you also have to be able to work in CAD, you have to have disciplines that that can translate and you can your work is going to hand it off to somebody else so yep. that's kind of the one thing a lot of everybody i work with wears a lot of hats yeah so no silos <coughs> huh no silos no yeah, yeah no i don't do that at all unless you know there's some people that just want to do that like we had a modeler one time and i i was saying so you know let's talk career you know path and all this <laughs> other stuff he goes i just want to model man yeah. I, okay. You know, not, yeah. Okay. I found okay. my calling. Now I get that. Yeah. Okay. You know, so you have to be open with people. 
So Ty, Ty Grant really had a lot to do with it. And then I met the rest of the team and, and all the executive level people, and they're all really gifted and talented people too. So it felt right. That's you know, great. It was like I was saying. At the same time, I was in negotiations with Universal to think, but that job was interesting because initially it started out here, uh, across the street from my house. I live in Hollywood. I can see Universal Studios across the street from my house. <laughs> it would have meant that I could walk to work every day. Wow. Yeah, all right. But then they they kind of moved the goalposts a little bit, and all of a sudden the job's in Florida, and I'm like, I don't do well with that mm-hmm. heat. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Forget it. It's <laughs> you know, so was... a wet, humid heat out there. <laughs> it's brutal. I don't know how people do yeah, that. Yeah, I really don't. Yeah. Did you ever... A lot of air conditioning. <laughs> you're, well, you're... Yeah, you pretty much for like three months out of the year, you're pretty yeah. much inside, right? Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. You know, they have trouble with paint drying down there. It's so yep, yeah, they do. So they have to put activators in the paint so it'll dry. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. You can't get there, get a, can't finish a job if you can't finish no, the paint. Yeah. yeah. So you're not uh, joining Freddie on that big California exodus, huh? Oh, yeah. You're not, not on the way out of out of town. Yeah. No. It's interesting. I had drinks with some Disney people the night that was announced. Yeah. And, uh, very mixed reactions. Of course. Uh, yeah. End of tough. era. Yeah. It's totally an end of an era. I mean, ever since I was a kid, you know, that was imaginary was there, right? Yeah. I mean, that's my family. Some of my family members yeah. worked there and it had this soaking with creative energy. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I'm sure everything's going to work out fine. Everybody's going to be happy, you know, but it's, it's just a weird thing. It's well, it is. It's, it's, well, it's very... interesting because you lived through that transition for Universal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With, uh, yeah. But Universal was a different setup. You know, everybody, everybody was a hired gun at Universal. Right. You know, they never promised you a whole career. Yeah, no one was planning to be a lifer. Oh, yeah. no, yeah. not at all. As a matter of fact, when it, when it came to the end of my contract, I was already in negotiation with Disney, and then they offered me this other job. I'm like, oh, well, I said yes to Disney. I thought you were going to let me go. <laughs> and no, we want you to stay. I'm like, ah, oh, sorry. I just said yes to Disney. So it was Eddie Sato. He's a very yeah. convincing person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he knows how to sell. Yeah. So we had a great time. From 96 to 2003, I was there with Eddie, and we had a great time. We did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of stuff. Our group was called the Concept Studio, so we were kind of a group within Imagineering that did out-of-the-berm projects. So mm. we did retail stores that were out-of-the-berm. Yep, yep. We did the ABC Times Square Studio, the one you see on yep, Good Morning America. Every yeah, morning. right. Uh, and a bunch of stuff that was, and we had a really good track record, actually, and it was sort of his creative energy that sort of ignited everybody to do better and very inspiring guy to work for, you know, um, and and he, he was the right call for that role because, you know, we had to go, we had meetings at ABC Studios and here's a bunch of goofy Imagineers walking in there pitching ideas, <laughs> yeah. but they loved us so much they actually had us, Eddie and I went back and forth to New York to pitch, I don't know if you recall, so I can't remember what year it was, it must have been 97 or 98 when the, when the, when ABC, the channel was having trouble. And I, th- I think Disney bought them at a certain point. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Yeah, Cap Cities. It was yeah, the Cap City buy, um, and then acquired Bob Iger in the process. <laughs> right. So they had um, this. The the channel itself was flagging. So we our th- thought was so we go to these brainstorming meetings with all these network people who are like a total different breed of cat, like completely different than us. They're all suits, you know, yep. they all take their jobs really seriously <laughs> and they're New Yorkers on top of it. And there's these two California guys who work at Disney are like, you know, hey everybody. Hey. <laughs> and then we just pitch these ideas and our, our thought was that we, you know, you need to, the cable shows like the Sopranos and things like that were coming about and those were edgier type things. And we're like, you need to make your channel edgy 
edgier and hipper. Because right now, ABC looks the same as NBC. Mm-hmm. They all have kind of a similar look because they're all copying each other. Yeah. So that's when that sort of black and gold, uh, the, the black and yellow campaign came out. Do you guys remember that at all? It was a yeah. very strong graphic element that felt very sort of uh, indie mm-hmm. rock. You know, it had kind of an edge to it. And that was our are doing wow. essentially so so yeah so you know it's these relationships you have with these people who believe in your creative talent who will yeah. involve you in these things, oh yeah you know? that's so great that was an amazing experience i mean it was kind of fun to put on a suit and go pitch ideas in new york city <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah you, feel, really cool. you feel like it you know you you're feel back like a grown-up in- for like <laughs> 10 minutes yeah, it was and really cool. You've gotten to handle some pretty amazing IP and stories. And um, I, I mean, I just, without even you spilling any beans, I mean, some of the uh, Paramount IP from Star oh, Trek. Oh, yeah, the Star Trek. And now we have I mean, Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon. Yeah, it's yeah. fun stuff. So, Do you have any that are kind of close to heart or that you get pretty excited to get to play with? Or? Well, I, I I helped design the, uh, oops, sorry. I, I helped design the... Um, the uh, Minion Land in for Beijing Universal nice. Studios, yeah. and that was an interesting job because um, the woman who was my well who would hire me from Illumination Studios um, didn't care for the design that they were doing at the time, so she asked me to go down to Universal and actually take that land and do that. And <clears throat> I said, "Well, that's tricky because you're going to have to negotiate the deal because they're also a client of mine. So, can you?" Wow. You know, figure out that with your people that you have to. So she did that, and I got to work on that. And I just love the minions. Yeah, they're, great. they're so goofy. They're some of the funnest new characters. They don't yeah. take themselves yeah. seriously at all. The yeah. people at Illumination, the company, the production company, the entertainment company. They nope. Everybody's cool there. Everybody's yeah. like they have the same. They're not. They're not as goofy as minions themselves. But you know, it's like when you <laughs> find just... out the gibberish that they speak. You know, is kind of a mash of English and Spanish and whatever, and just the the sheer wackiness of yeah. it. Plus, I like. they can get away with anything. Yeah, it's very irreverent. It's a yeah. little naughty. Yeah. You know, which I appreciate. Uh, <laughs> having come from Disney, where everything's you know, you know, <laughs> s- s- squeaky clean. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So yeah, I love the minions. That's so <laughs> that was fun to work on. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Speaking of that, I mean, you've got to work on pretty much most of the best of the new, you know, parks that have opened up probably in the last few decades. Uh, yeah. Do you have yeah. A, a, I've been in the room for most of the master planning of most of the parks. Of the yeah. Last any 20 any years. Uh, one that you would put as kind of the gold standard? Uh, I will tell you that what's coming from Universal, the Epic Park, is going to be super cool. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I was in the room. Phil Hedema was there. Yeah. yeah, his guys were there. Don Carson was there. I remember Greg Dameron. He was there. Um, you know, Terry Koo, who's the head of their creative group over there. He's a great guy. He's also very encouraging. He's he's excellent at getting good ideas out of people. You know, he just sort of like pulls them out of people uh-huh. magically. But <laughs> what happened is, and you know, I can't give away details, but that park the concept behind it the lands that they're going to do just the whole experience of going there they completely changed their way of thinking for what that is and it's going to be spectacular Uh, honestly what's coming is going to be amazing mel what i love most about talking to christian is his sense of responsibility like legitimate responsibility as a human to mentor the other creatives that he comes into contact with as they pursue their work, wherever their careers are taking them, whether it's concept work or whatever. 
It's yeah, it really is important to see the creative work we do um, as bigger than ourselves. I mean, it's one thing to be an individual artist or an individual contributor, but uh, anyone like Christian uh, in our industry has understood that this truly is a collective art form. And and to be honest with you, it's kind of self-serving because you can only take so much uh, working with a crew of newbies uh, without <laughs> dying on the vine. You know, it, it really is handy when you, uh, you know, have a few, uh, you know, people of different experience levels. And, and again, I, I know that Christian is just super grateful for people like Fred Hope, who poured into him and others that have mentored him along the way. Uh, and again, just uh, that sense of gratitude and pouring that back into the, the next generation just is a, kind of a, a no brainer decision in my book. And I know that's something that Christian uh, shares as well. That response. Yeah, you get a real sense that his, uh, his, gratitude for what he's received lends to his generosity to to others. Well, Mel, I don't know about you, but I hear a Lapu Lapu calling my name back at the dock. What do you say? Want to hit the Tiki Lounge? Heck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next time. Thanks, Mel. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. We want you to know we don't take your listening for granted. We'd love to make a show that you want to listen to. It's just so good to have people on the other end who are interested in the things that make us tick. Would you mind helping us out by leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts? That helps others find the show, and who knows, we might become famous someday. We want to thank our special guest, Christian Hope. You can connect with him on LinkedIn and follow him on Instagram at 3113studio. That's the number 31 and the word 13, studio. Get access to more stories and interviews at themedattraction.com. Start your own profile, discuss the latest advancements, and interact with your fellow theme park designers around the world. Follow the action on Instagram and Twitter at themedattraction and join our active discussion group on LinkedIn. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me at freddymartin.net and follow my adventures at Skipper Freddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson. Other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Barry is the author of Imagineering an American Dreamscape, The Genesis, Evolution, and Redemption of the Regional Theme Park. This book tells the epic stories of regional theme parks and the strong-willed visionaries behind them. Some of the stories you may have heard, most you probably haven't, and it's a fascinating story to tell. It's available to purchase on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or direct from the publisher at rivershorecreative.com. You know, Mel, Barry is a big fan of jungle music. He loves to listen all night long to pop stars like Justin Beaver, Justin Timbersnake, and of course, Lionel Richie. But his favorite jungle recording artist of all time happens to be my favorite too, Harry Elefante. Thanks for listening, folks. Dale, Dale. Daylight come and me wanna go home.